Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another day, another edition of Focus Fox Valley. I'm your host, Haley Tenpass, broadcasting today from the Myron Construction Studios of WHBY on this Tuesday, truly a Tuesday. It is the second month of the year, the 22nd day of that month in the year 2022. Happy Palindrome Day, uh, for real. I mean, my goodness, kind of a fun one to explain to my kids. I was telling my four and a half year old, it's it's Tuesday, two, 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 two. So happy Tuesday, happy Palindrome Day, and happy hello to Zach Morris, who is back with us here on Focus Fox Valley. Hi, Zach. Hello, Haley. It's been a bit. Yeah, strange. I only took one day of vacation, which is a funny thing. <laughs> you deserve more. Deserve more. Week. <laughs> no, but uh, Zach's been, uh, of course, filling in for Dave last week on Am Fox Valley. But we are reunited. And it feels so good. It right? feels a lot different now. I feel more awake than I did last <laughs> week I, at this time. I would imagine. I would imagine. All right. Well, Zach is back. We'll sprinkle in some Zach here throughout the show. Uh, and a reminder that this first portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at uh, at uh, Sturdivant and Associates. Almost said Settlers Bank. No, Sturdivant and Associates are our friends here for the hour. 500 North Commercial Street in Nina is where you will find them. And Eric and Carl, they are there for you. Just talking with a friend actually about how they had made that call. They're a big birthday coming up, big 6-5, and they wanted to make sure that they were taken care of and ready to roll when it comes to Medicare or Medicaid. That advice is always free with Sturdivant and Associates, so give them a call, 920-969-1956. Well, we are turning to the city of Appleton first here on the show and welcoming Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford on the Settlers Bank phone lines. Good morning, Mayor Woodford. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm good. Good to be back with you. Absolutely. So uh, did you make a drive in today? How were the roads for you? I, I came in at a time of day that actually things weren't too bad. So hats off to the city of Appleton crews out there uh, getting things cleared. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a fine drive into the office this morning. And, uh, you know, just looking out the window here, it looks like things are moving all right. Our crews uh, got out there ahead of it, uh, got that brine down. Uh, they've been salting and making sure the streets are clear, uh, but still on days like this, encourage everybody to take their time, add in a little extra time just to make sure you get where you need to go safely. Of course, of course. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about here today with Mayor Woodford. A reminder that our phone lines are open. If you've got a question for the mayor as well, 920-281-1150 is that number. A few things we're going to touch on today, hopefully, if we can squeeze it in here. Uh, the exciting news that bird scooters will be back uh, once the <laughs> once the warmer months arrive. Also, the Department of Public Works guide is out, and we'll also take a look at uh, the new uh, health officer, uh, Dr. Seepers, his first few days on the job, maybe get a COVID-19 update as well here with Mayor Woodford. Uh, But I wanted to start, we got a call here at WHBY from a listener of the show, and she brought to our attention kind of a a scary situation that happened uh, near the intersection of College Avenue and Richmond street near the railroad tracks and i know i passed this along to you uh jake as well and i'm hoping maybe we can talk about this here a bit maybe get an update or or see where things are at if that's possible sure so uh first of all thank you for passing that along to us Uh, we got right in touch with uh, canadian national uh that's the railroad that's responsible for those crossings and we passed this along it sounds like what happened was in, in that situation um it was a, a person using a wheelchair, um, and the um, uh, and got stuck in the in the crossing, and 
uh, we're able to get out without incident, but kind of a unsettling situation for sure. And there's plenty of traffic over there too. So uh, definitely a concern. And we've we've shared that with Canadian National, and they're they're working on that issue. And actually, there are other issues going on also with that railroad crossing at uh, College and. Uh, we'll call it 47 because that's right where it changes uh, between Richmond and Memorial. Um, some issues with the signals at that intersection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so folks may notice, uh, may have already noticed that there are train horns again in downtown Appleton. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a result of a malfunction that's been happening with those signals. Uh, so the trains have to move very slowly through that intersection and um, and they actually have to have a flagger out. So you might see somebody walking ahead of the train, flagging. Um, it's it's a it's an unfortunate situation uh, on on multiple uh, fronts. But the good news is Canadian National is uh, going to replace that crossing, and hopefully that addresses the pedestrian safety issues at that intersection also, uh, as far as the crossing goes. Um, but they can't get to that until the spring, so uh, we're we're not expecting them to start work on that until uh, uh, things get a little bit warmer. Um, but the, but they're focused on it and they want to get it done quickly. Um, so in the meantime, a little noisy, a little bit inconvenient for us, uh, but we'll we'll be back to our quiet zone uh, as as soon as they get that repair taken care of. Interesting. Yeah, I did notice uh, a Facebook post from the city earlier today, just a few hours ago, referring to that railroad crossing. And I thought the timeliness of that in relation to the situation that I brought to your attention uh, was interesting timing on that. Uh, but but spring for some for some repairs to that intersection, do we know how large of a project that will be or how if that will be uh, making us not be able to utilize that intersection at all? Any answers from Canadian National on that? Not, not as far as I know yet, uh, but as soon as we get project plans, we'll start communicating those with the community. Just like we did, uh, there, there was a brief closure uh, a week or two ago, and so we had digital signboards out and also put out information uh, to the media and uh, on social media. So we'll do the same, uh, try and get the word out as that project plan comes together. Uh, but it, it, it is likely that that intersection will be closed for a, a brief period of time while they, uh, while they take care of that change because they have to replace the int- entire rail bed and all of the, all the ties and rails and signal systems. And wow. it's quite a project. But uh, like I said, when it's done, it'll get us back to our quiet zone status, and hopefully it'll also make that a little less bumpy for vehicles and a little safer for pedestrians. Excellent. Well, thank you for that update. And thank you to Tammy as well for for calling in that concern with us. And we were happy to pass that along to Mayor Woodford as well. All right. uh, Let's talk about the bird scooter announcement. Uh, This with mixed opinions from people, but I think more in favor than not. And the bird scooters will be returning. Uh, So, yeah, what do riders need to know in anticipation of the return of the bird scooters? Well, it's still a pilot. Um, So I really think about this as sort of phase two of a pilot to see if this is something that can work for our community. So I think the most important message to folks who like these scooters and want to see them continue in the city we really need folks to follow the the rules uh, in using the scooters, or they they will go away. Um, we're trying to address some of the issues that came up in the first phase of the pilot um, around College Avenue, in particular, folks using those on the sidewalks. Um, that's a that's an issue. In addition to the biking and skateboarding and other things that happen on the sidewalks, um, that actually we have an ordinance in place uh, to to. Uh, prohibit, but um, we're adjusting the speed of the scooters. We've asked Bird uh, to make some changes, uh, and so they'll be reducing the speed of the scooters on College Avenue, uh, going down to about 12 miles an hour. Um, they'll be using uh, what they call geofencing, which is using GPS maps to um, create fences where the scooters can't go or they can't do certain actions. Um, they'll be using geofencing to prevent riders from parking on a bridge. One of the challenges that, that came up last summer was sometimes folks would um, stop in the middle of a, of a bridge on the sidewalk and uh, drop their scooter. And for anybody who um, 
you know, to using a wheelchair to get across that bridge, um, they might have to turn around and go to the other side, and that's just not acceptable. So um, we're working with BIRD to prevent that from happening. We're also uh, working with them to create some preferred parking zones uh, within the city. Uh, one of the pieces of feedback that came through loud and clear was concerns about, you know, tons of scooters piling up in certain places or mm-hmm. uh, being left kind of randomly. And uh, so they'll actually be giving discounts for riders to park in preferred parking zones, and those will, those zones will be uh, clearly spelled out in the app. Um, so it'll be a benefit to riders, actually. They'll get a little discount uh, for parking in preferred areas. But uh, the other thing that's changing with the program is that uh, BIRD will be uh, giving the city a, um, basically a reimbursement for city services um, because it does take staff time and enforcement time uh, to administer the program in the city. So there'll be a, a per-ride uh, uh, fee that the company pays to the city uh, to reimburse for taxpayer expenses. Uh, so that'll be an improvement uh, over the first phase of the program. So a couple of changes, but they'll be yeah. back, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to the second phase of the pilot. And again, I uh, want, want that feedback from our community as we consider whether this is something in the long run we want to have in Appleton. And when will we see these back, uh, back in action, a specific date on the calendar for this? I don't have a date on the calendar from uh, from Bird, but uh, expect it in the uh, in the later spring. Um, you know, just after after the real threat for snow. I was gonna uh, say once has, the snow melts. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and we don't have much snow to speak of, so um, you know it'll be really weather dependent. But uh, if it's anything like last year, it'll be probably around that April time frame. We'll start to see the scooters come back out. Okay. We do need to take a short break, but before we do, let's quickly head to the phone lines where our guy Richard is joining us Richard. today. Good morning, Richard. I had his comment. Good morning. Hey, Richard. I had his comment. And Woody, I want to ask you a question, Mayor. Remember you said about train before in that intersection? They brought yep. it. I live on Summit and Spencer right on Summit, Spencer Street. Ten years ago. When they, at 930 in the morning, the train blew home right here. Uh, there they was right here, too. They blow the horn right here. Is that the kind of intersection? Intersection? Somebody yeah. blow the horn? Yeah, they, they have to right now. They have to blow the horn. It's required by the uh, by the federal government. Uh, you know, because the I, mean, I, I, I thought there was that reason. And it works pretty good. And they're good at the boy stop. They made the train that tracks that boy stop. They broke my brace tie rod last year. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Well, thank you for helping me. I got, I personally, I talk when he, I personally see starting. I got, go ahead, besides. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, I'll ask you, Katie, she's bad shape now. She retired, Katie's retired too. She, she's getting diabetes too. Hi, Katie. You guys take care. Thanks, yeah, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Good to hear you. Remember that. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more with Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford right after this. And we're back. We're talking with Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford on our Settlers Bank phone lines today. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, the sesquicentennial celebration, 150 years for the History Museum at the Castle. We'll get to that coming up. Right now, though, Mayor Woodford, and actually just down the road for you, from you, the History Museum at the Castle celebrating 150 years. Pretty exciting news for the city. Yes, excellent. Well, I, I want to ask you about uh, a new addition to uh, to the team over at City Hall, uh, Dr. Chuck Seepers joining as health officer. And I know that he's a few days in, but any updates uh, from, from him so far and maybe what he's been able to tackle in his first few days, uh, literally on the job? Yeah, well, uh, Chuck joined us on, uh, on the 14th for his first day. And uh, you know he's he's gotten right in into it with us here at City Hall, uh, getting to know colleagues, um, working with uh, the department, uh, getting up to speed on all the work that's been done, not only around the pandemic but all the other things that the department does, from weights and measures to um, uh, you know home home visits, uh, uh, infectious disease control, other than COVID, sure. uh, inspections, all of that. So he's uh, he's working to get up to speed, and uh, you know it's. Still, still early goings, and when we start new jobs, it takes a little bit of time to uh, kind of get in and 
and learn the ropes, but uh, he's definitely hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, right now we're, we're anxiously awaiting updated guidance from the CDC, which mm-hmm. we're expecting and hoping for soon uh, related to mitigation like masks. Um, a lot of discussion about that um, in our community as every other community, I think, in the country. So I'm waiting for uh, some updated guidance. But uh, in the meantime, he's, he's doing a great job getting to know the organization and uh, starting to uh, sort of assess what's here, how things work, and uh, look for those opportunities uh, to continue building on the, the strong tradition of uh, the Appleton Health Department. And Mayor Woodford, what do Appleton residents need to know in regards to maybe any vaccination clinic opportunities uh, or or just numbers in general? Where is Appleton at right now in regards to COVID-19? Well, the good news is that the numbers of infections in the community have been falling rapidly uh, over the last few weeks. Um, so that's that's great news. We're glad to see that. Um, you know, our hospital systems in the region continue to be strained, um, but they're they're also improving. And, uh, you know, Dr. Cypress has told us, you know, we should expect to see the numbers improve for the hospital systems um, in the coming weeks. The, the Those numbers tend to lag the case numbers. Um, so hopefully that continues. We continue to be on a, on a good trajectory, a good solid downward trajectory on uh, the number of cases in the community. Um, so we're we're watching that closely, and like I said, hoping for some new guidance uh, in terms of our mitigation. Um, understanding that there are lots of other factors at play, not just case numbers. Right when we think about how a disease is affecting the community, how COVID is affecting us, it's it's not just the number of cases at this point. It's uh, also number of hospitalizations and what kind of uh, emergency service resources are still available in the community. So. Uh, we're hoping that, that that CDC guidance includes uh, a little bit more in terms of the metrics that we're watching as we set mitigation. But uh, we're, we're heading in a really good direction. Uh, we continue to offer testing at uh, that old Best Buy uh, on Kensington. Um, so folks can find more information about that at appleton.org. We still have that banner at the top of our webpage uh, for COVID-19 info. So uh, you can find out more about testing availability through the city that way. And again, continuing to encourage folks to uh, get vaccinated and get that booster if you're eligible. Um, significant benefit to uh, getting boosted uh, just in terms of protection that it offers. So uh, encouraging people to take advantage of those resources that are still available in the community through pharmacies, doctor's offices. State of Care is running a number of vaccination or, uh, yeah, vaccination clinics. And like I said, City of Appleton continues to offer testing in partnership with Theta Care at uh, the the old Best Buy site on the south side. All right, thank you for that update. Uh, one, I guess, final thing to to squeeze in here before we go: the Department of Public Works guide is is out. And what's the purpose of this, and how is it able to help uh, city residents? Yeah, so the Public Works guide uh, should be hitting uh, hitting mailboxes uh, around the city probably around mid March. So. Um, we just wrapped up the uh, the public works guide for the coming year, and this is your guide to annual uh, your annual guide to public works services that the city of Appleton offers. Uh, so this is everything from uh, waste disposal to leaf collection, um, and it's really important that folks take a look at this, especially this year, because there are going to be some changes coming uh, to the services that we offer as a city and how we offer those services. So. Uh, encourage folks when you get that public works guide, uh, take a look at it, give it a read, um, because there will be some changes coming. Uh, most notably, uh, our our free large item curbside collection is going to be limited to two items per household starting mm-hmm. uh, in April uh, through November, and uh, also uh, fall 22 will of 22 will begin the vacuum leaf collection program for the city. Um, we won't be fully online with that yet, so it'll be two areas in each of the collection zones. So uh, that'll be on page eight of the guide to walk you through what that's going to mean and if your neighborhood's affected by that change. Uh, eventually, all the leaf collection will be vacuum trucks, um, but we're phasing that in uh, over the next couple of years. So really important to look at the Public Works Guide. It'll give you um, a lot more information about services the city offers and how to dispose of waste uh, appropriately, and, and that includes yard waste in the city. 
So uh, look for that in mailboxes around uh, mid-March. That's a citywide mailing. So uh, every household will get a copy. Excellent. Yeah, don't recycle that. Take a look, put it in a, in a, in a drawer, and keep it uh, handy if you ever have questions because these things do come up. When can I drop that, you know, refrigerator off? You know, that's uh, what this uh, guide is for. Very helpful for people. Absolutely. All right, Mayor Woodford. Well, we are out of time. I wanted to quick mention that you do have a virtual open office happening uh, on the 24th, so Thursday of this week from 4 until 5 o'clock. How can people uh, get plugged into that virtual open office hours? Uh, so they can get in touch with our office. Uh, you can just dial the main office number uh, at 920-832-6400 and uh, ask to be connected with Sheng. Sheng will uh, get you on the schedule. Um, and We still do have uh, some appointments available for open office hours. Um, and then, uh, you know, as we look forward to spring and summer, we'll be uh, going back to getting out in the community and, and doing office hours in parks. Uh, so we'll be uh, looking forward to that. But while it's still chilly, mm. uh, a little dicey to get around sometimes, we're, we're sticking to virtual. Um, so please do take advantage of that if you, if you want to have a conversation. It's great to connect with folks in the community and get feedback, have conversations. So, uh, yeah, coming up on Thursday. Excellent. Mayor Woodford, thank you as always for being with us here today. Always appreciate your time and we will check back with you in March. Sure thing. Take care. Thank you so much. Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford joining us here on your Tuesday. All right. Up next, it's the History Museum at the Castle celebrating 150 years today. What happened 150 years ago today? We'll talk with Dustin Mack after the break. First, here is today's Garden Bite. You're listening to Focus Fox Valley right here on WHBY, real local radio and a huge chunk of local history is where we will take our show next. Today is a big birthday, a big anniversary for the History Museum at the Castle, 150 years. Take a moment and let that soak in. And they have been preserving and sharing our history here in Appleton, Outagamie County, really the entire Fox Valley area for the last 150 years. So joining us today to talk more about this huge milestone is Dustin Mack, Chief Curator with the History Museum at the Castle. Dustin, good morning. Me. So thrilled to have you with us in studio today. Very fun. It feels great. Yeah. It, we, and we've had Dustin as a guest here multiple times. But when this email came through a couple months ago already, I I said, we've we got to try to get Dustin in on the birthday, on the birthday of all of this. So uh, talk with us about the significance of today. Just as of a few hours ago, the official kind of birthday timestamp for what was once the Outagamie County Pioneer Association. Yeah, 150 years ago, the first meeting was called to order at 10 a.m., and um, ever since then, the organization has been meeting and collecting history and preserving that history for, um, you know, the city of Appleton and Outagamie County eventually, and, and really, like you said, the whole Fox Cities we consider to be within our scope and important to tell those stories because history doesn't take place inside of defined borders necessarily. No. And so, you know, we, we go as far afield as, as we need to to tell the important stories of our region. What do we know about 150 years ago and, and the beginning stages of what would eventually be the History Museum at the Castle? Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. So. Ooh. We were doing research on this to, to see about the early meetings and that sort of thing. And what we found was that they had been meeting actually for a lot longer than 150 years. Wow. But it was only official in 1872 that they organized. And so um, they'd actually been meeting in the 1850s already. And so it was a lot of the people who were the early um, Euro-American settlers to this region. And they saw it as a way to kind of get back together, to reminisce, have a picnic, and talk about kind of the, quote, good old days in their minds and what what life was like at that time and just a way to kind of reconnect with old friends and then eventually they formalized and we've been meeting ever since we've been meeting ever since so how has the organization been able to to move forward throughout the years and when did we get an actual physical representation of of a place where we hold history and and keep history and and learn history yeah so the pioneer association was initially um 
meant just for people who had been early settlers, and they even had a date on it. You had to be here before a certain date to join their really? their group. What they found as time passed is that you know older folks were passing on, and they didn't have anyone to step in and replace them. Mm-hmm. So they kept moving that date back as to what the the earliest time frame was, and eventually they opened it up to anybody who was in, you know in the area that wanted to participate in this. It wasn't until kind of the mid. Um, 1960s, 1950s, that they really began starting to collect items and and to collect artifacts that they thought were going to be representative of the history. And um, as time passed and the collection grew, they needed kind of more of a formal space to present these artifacts. And the History Museum moved into the, the castle where we currently are now, which is a former Masonic temple in 1985. And so since that point, we've been in that building and telling local history. Yeah. And we are so thankful that you are telling local history, all sorts of history, the good, the bad and and the ugly at some points in, in our in our time here. So any exhibits or any periods of, of Appleton history or Outagamie County history that maybe stick out to you that that the, the museum has made sure to make represent represented? Yeah, so when when people come into the museum, we want our collection and our exhibits to be representative of the whole. And so that means whether you're young or old, you're black or white, male, female, it it doesn't matter. When you come into the museum, we want you to feel like you're welcome there and that your story is told there in some place, in some some format, right? And so we're very aware as we're designing exhibits that people are represented and in doing our collection. And so for the longest time, and it was all kind of history organizations at the time, were, were funded by kind of the wealthy folks in town. And so they those were the stories they gravitated towards. Those are the artifacts that they collected. And so now we're really working to to build our collection in such a way that you know, we're, we're telling those diverse stories that, you know, people might not think, oh, you know, this is important and we should hang on to that. And the museum is, is working to make sure that those stories are represented and told for future generations. Hmm. What do you think surprises people the most when they walk into the museum? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Uh, I think, one, people are surprised that Houdini was from Appleton. Sure. So I know sure. that the History Museum is probably most famous for its AKA Houdini exhibit in our large Houdini artifact collection. But if you're not born and raised in, in Appleton or the surrounding areas, it's, it's really a shock to people. And we get visitors from all across the country, international travelers that come um, specifically to see Houdini or that they walk in off the street and they're blown away that this guy was from Appleton and has these connections here. Wow. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about what's planned for a little celebrating for this 150-year anniversary for the History Museum at the Castle, and if any, new exhibits are, are planned as well. So we'll talk with Dustin when we come back more on the 150th anniversary of the History Museum at the Castle when we come back right after this. It's WHBY. of Focus Fox Valley, learning about the 150th anniversary of the History Museum at the Castle. Yes, 150 years ago today, it was founded as the Outagamie County Pioneer Association. And Dustin Mack, Chief Curator at the History Museum, joins us today with more details on, on what's planned, I guess, for this sesquicentennial and 150 years. So what's the museum working on? So the biggest thing that we're doing to celebrate is having an open house this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 10 until 4. It's going to be free admission to come to the museum. We'll have light refreshments, and people can come in and see what we have to offer and just celebrate the fact that we've been here for 150 years. Excellent. And so that is free uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you mentioned. Uh, Details can be found at the History Museum at the Castle's website, of course, and we'll link that on our website. Uh, What will people see when they walk in? Uh, Have there been any changes lately? So our feature exhibit is called the Fox Cities ABCs, and so it's an alphabet-themed exhibit. Each letter of the alphabet has an artifact associated with it, and it's a great way to kind of explore Fox Cities' history. So there's a little bit and piece of each 
you know, story that's being told. And the letters are all jumbled up and there's a cartoon kind of theme with it. And so kids go through and they discover where the letters are, what artifact is associated with it. And then there's a brief history about each of the pieces. And it's just really fun and interactive. Yeah. And then, of course, the Houdini exhibit. You can't uh, not mention that one, right? Yeah, that's a pillar for us. So um, we have a large AKA Houdini exhibit where people can go in. They learn about his life here in Appleton and his career as a magician, and they learn some of the tricks of the trade. Excellent. What are you working on, though? Anything new to come to the museum? And I know once in a while we get some cool exhibits that are passing through. Are you working on anything right now? I am, but I'm not at liberty to say what those exhibits might be. But there are a couple that are in the works, and there will be something new this summer. And as soon as I can say what it is, I'm excited to share it (laughs) with you all. Um, we are doing a new suspense, Dustin. That's I some know sus- it. Suspense. Well, <laughs> the thing is, these these get negotiated, and you go sure. back and forth a little bit. And so, I don't I don't want to jump out ahead of where the negotiations are at this point. But we are working on on a couple different things. Um, as soon as I leave here this afternoon, I'm going to be doing a display case that's designed especially for 150th anniversary, and so it will show kind of the bits and pieces of of our history that we've collected over the years and have that on display in a case. And so people can kind of reflect on just how long 150 years actually is. Mm. I I love that. And and where will people be able to see that? So that will be on display in our lobby when people come through. If they if they come in on on this weekend, they'll be able to see it there. You know, if if you think about 150 years, we've gone through two pandemics Mm -hmm. in that time. There's been two world wars. A lot has changed in our lives in that time. And so this uh, display case will kind of showcase um, the changes over time. One thing I know that the museum was working on, and we've had a conversation at the start of the pandemic, is how you wanted to kind of capture the the moments, the history, the emotions people felt during the pandemic. I don't know if anyone, any of us imagined we'd still be feeling some of those emotions two years down the road. Uh, but where does that project stand? Are you still looking for documentation? Any updates to that for us? Yeah, absolutely. I I think I was on your show about two years ago, <laughs> launching years that ago. launching that project, thinking that you know in in a couple months when the pandemic was right. over we would be able to do this. Mm. Um, but it is still ongoing. So the idea was it was called Let's Make History. Yeah. And as we went into the pandemic initially, we wanted people to journal what their experiences was like and and document that moment in time. And so we've received a number of journals. In in the past two years, we've been collecting a large amount of artifacts that reflect kind of people's experiences, you know, their masks. Um, If they got married, that's these have been interesting things. So kind of the the invitations that went out and because everything changed in that in that time period. And so we've collected things from schools like art projects that kids have done. We've just really been trying to collect as broadly as possibly can. We've got some things from the city, which has been fantastic from the health department. Parks and Rec has donated a number of items. And so anything that helps kind of tell this moment in time and what people are going through, we're very interested in collecting and preserving that for future generations. If I had to think of some things to donate it would be sourdough bread because everyone started baking bread again during the first couple of months right it was kind of a everyone was making bread again uh so that, that's what the first thing that came to mind for me was some sourdough starter or something yeah i might take the recipe and not the dough itself okay. it's going to be hard to preserve that one. Oh, I, I suppose all right okay uh well again congratulations on, on on leading the way of this chapter for the history museum um and 150 years is very exciting and should be acknowledged i'm so glad this is being acknowledged here in our community. So again, how can we be part of the celebration and what do we need to know for this weekend? So people can come Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 10 to 4, free admission, light refreshments. All the information is available on our website at myhistorymuseum.org. And um, come and check it out and celebrate. Excellent. Dustin Mack, Chief Curator of the History Museum at the Castle, thank you very much for being with us and happy 150th anniversary. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a short break. And your CBS and local news updates are coming up. In addition to an hour number two of the show, we're talking about community-supported agriculture. It is National CSA Week. And we will also welcome the Miracle League of the Fox Valley. Those conversations come on your way in hour number two of Focus Fox Valley.
Good afternoon. Welcome back for our number two of Focus Fox Valley. I'm Haley Tenpass broadcasting today from the Myron Construction Studios of WHBY. This portion of the show brought to you by Bon Voyage Travel Boutique in beautiful downtown Nina. You can call 920-725-2880 for details and they will help you get your dream trip booked. They make it easy for you over at at Bon Voyage. So again, visit them at 202 West Wisconsin Avenue in beautiful downtown Nina. We're going to get to our interview coming up in just a few moments with Melissa Wyland with Slow Farmers Co-op. But first, wanting to briefly bring in BJ DeGrow with the score as we've kind of been following some Aaron Rodgers developments today. We have news for our listeners as of today. No bon voyage for Aaron Rodgers. No decision. <laughs> no decision. Made by Aaron Rodgers today. Just joining the Pat McAfee show. Uh, 135,000 people tuning in for it and started off it. the show saying that there will be no news today on his decision. So I the appreciate Aaron, that. Aaron Rodgers watch continues. Um, basically joining Pat because the last time they spoke was the Tuesday after the loss to San Francisco in the divisional round and said he didn't feel like they had a a good way to wrap up the season with that loss being so fresh. So no news today. Uh, I know a lot of people are expecting potential confirmation that he's coming back or potential retirement announcement. Those that think he may end up elsewhere. No news today. It'll come at a later time. And uh, this is the first uh, tag day for the NFL for the franchise tag. So I don't know if it's all connected to Devonte Adams or what, but uh, no news today for Aaron Rodgers. We will live to see another day, another drama. That is Aaron Rodgers. Let the uh, sands through the hourglass continue to melt away. The days of our lives. Thank you, BJ. All right. Now to an exciting week uh, for those in the agriculture industry, but also for all of us who maybe look to have something that is homegrown right in our own kitchens. We're talking about community-supported agriculture. It happens to be National CSA Week, February 20th through the 26th. And who better to tell us more about it and to help educate us on the benefits of a CSA than Melissa Wyland, the general manager of Slow Farmers Co-op. Melissa, good afternoon. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for hanging on there. I know Aaron Rodgers' news is is, is big stuff here in Wisconsin, so <laughs> we wanted to squeeze that out here at the top of the show. Thanks for waiting for us. <laughs> no problem. All right. Well, we're talking about CSA Week here today. Before we dive in too deep, remind us a bit about Slow Farmers Co-op, You know who you are, and uh, what the organization is all about. Sure. So Slow Farmers Co-op is a small cooperative of local farmers right here in northeastern Wisconsin. Uh, What we do is we provide um, vegetable shares and also meat shares, pastured meat shares to be more specific, uh, to consumers throughout northeast Wisconsin. We have um, also developed a relationship with a distributor that allows us to do home delivery of those shares. And so what we do is um, the customer signs up for uh, either a vegetable box or a meat box or both, um, picks what frequency they would like that delivered, and we take it from there. Excellent. So fill us in on on CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. What do you love about it and why is it important? Sure. So let's maybe uh, touch a little bit on what a CSA is, because I think that also, Haley, happens to answer what I love about it. Mm. Uh, So a CSA is essentially a local farm membership program that allows uh, consumers like us to sign up and receive those products, which is traditionally vegetables when it comes to CSAs, on that reoccurring schedule during a peak growing season. And so the best part about it is you are not only supporting a local farmer or in our case, a couple local farmers very directly and purchasing from them directly, but you are also getting all of your produce at that peak freshness. So think of how great things taste uh, right when you take them out of the garden or right when you buy them from the farmer's market. Very similar with a CSA. 
um, in that it is arriving at its peak. Mm. It's the, it's the reason why tomatoes are so hard for me sometimes to eat in the middle of winter, because once you've had a fresh peaked, you know, picked at the peak of freshness, freshness tomato during the summer, it's hard to compare those to sometimes what you find in the grocery store, although they try, but... (laughs) They try, but I can relate. It is not the same, is it? <laughs> it's just not the same. So, so Melissa, why would you argue that CSAs are important? Well, I think what is really neat or almost unique in our culture today is that we have many, um, like, food box programs now to choose from, mm-hmm. right? They are everything from a national level uh, put together in a meal kit type form, um, all the way through to companies like Misfits Market, where you are getting what is called second grade produce or produce that didn't quite make it to a grocery shelf for this reason or that reason. But what makes that CSA extra special is the fact that we're able to support our local farms directly. Excellent. And that's where we'll take the conversation after the break. How can you support our local farms directly? And what can you get in that box? We'll talk more with Melissa Weiland, the general manager with Slow Farmers Co-op on National CSA Week. We'll have more on that when we come back after this break. It's WHBY. And we're back with more of Focus Box Valley on WHBY. A look at CSA boxes today with Melissa Weiland, General Manager of Slow Farmers Co-op here in Northeast Wisconsin. And Melissa, so many questions kind of come to my mind when I think of of CSA boxes. And and one being, why are we talking about them in February? And maybe is this a, maybe a, a call to action to people to maybe get searching for that CSA box this summer? It is almost a call to action. So National CSA Week is something that is, of course, being national recognized across the country because historically we have found that this week, which is the last week in February, is the um, most popular week for us to join a CSA share in our local state or region or wherever we live. Um, I have to say, I think part of that is because we are all so hungry right now for the most fresh, nutrient-dense food, right? Mm. Like, we've had a long winter at this point in Wisconsin. And Just look out the window, the- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So you think people are kind of craving it this time of year? I might be biased because I know I am, Haley. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So how does somebody go about searching for, for a CSA box, and I know uh, that, you know, Slow Farmers Co-op might be an option for folks as well, but, you know, how do people, how do we find these? Are they hard to find? Um, they are not that hard to find, actually. A very great resource that I encourage anyone to check out would be um, something called the Fair Share CSA Coalition, and depending where you're located, um you actually can go to their website and look for a farm um, that is in your area. Now, if you are in really anywhere in Northeast Wisconsin, Slow does service you. We do deliver to your area, but you also would be welcome to go to that Fair Share CSA Coalition website for more information. Excellent. And let's speak to Slow in particular here, Melissa, and explain to us again kind of how it works and and when those boxes sort of start rolling in or or getting to be delivered to your house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we launch what is called our spring share, usually around mid-May. And when we start to get into spring, you can think of some of those crops being a lot of leafy greens or asparagus, right? Or some of those things that are a little bit more cool loving and also early season. So uh, also microgreens and things like that. So we start in mid-May. We figure spring season goes to about mid-June. And then right after that, we get into what's called summer, which then kicks off an 18-week growing season. Super exciting, right? where different that we go through different seasons of different vegetables and the box um, continues to evolve depending on where we are within the season. 
Excellent. So let's maybe look at that 18-week box that you provide. Um, How frequent do they arrive? And hey, I don't happen to like rutabaga. Can I get that maybe not included (laughs) in my box when that comes? For example, are people able to pick and choose what comes in their box? What are the rules? Heck yes, you are, Haley. So (laughs) what is so neat about our TSA program is that we've, what I call, sort of modernized it. Today we want what we want when we want, (laughs) and sometimes we want more of certain things. And so all of our shares are customizable. So if something comes in there um, automatically, we do build default boxes based on what is peaking and what is the best and what we recommend trying or having at that time. But if you know you don't like something, no problem. Um, go on, uh, go ahead, log in, customize your box, add what you want, take out what you don't want, um, and go from there. As far as delivery frequency, for the first time ever, we are um, also offering an every other week share. But traditionally, and what I do recommend is trying the every week share and just picking the right size. We have a small size box that's great for a home of one to three people or a full size share which is great for a family of three to five people. I love it. I love it, Melissa. And it really can be a great way for you maybe to cut back on maybe the the trips to the grocery store. Maybe if you're downsizing your own personal garden, it's a great way to get more of a, of a variety. And of course, the, the biggest thing here is you're supporting local producers and local farmers in our area who are, <clears throat> excuse me, growing it, you know, each and every day. And, and, and they're the experts at it. That's right. That's right. And even if you are a gardener, again, the box is customizable. So you can say, oh, this is doing so well in my garden this year. I don't need more of this. (laughs) And that's okay. Excellent. So, yeah, we mentioned that right now is a great time to kind of sign up for this, maybe get locked in uh, for the spring season or for that longer 18-week season later on in the summertime. And are you limited to the number of, of boxes or services you can provide? Fill us in, Melissa. We are limited, and um, we do actually sell out every season of all of our shares. And so they are selling quickly. Again, this is a peak week for folks to have interest in signing up. So if you're considering it, I do encourage going ahead and thinking about where you might want to join sooner than later. All right. How do we do that? How do we do that? Okay. So you to join our CSA, you can go ahead to our website, which is www. S-L-O, slowfarmerscoop.com, or you can Google us. We'll come up. You'll find find the instructions there. Uh, If you're not in our area and you're still looking for one, again, go ahead and check out Fair Share CSA Coalition. Again, you can Google that and get right to their farm finder. And one thing that's what's that's really changed, I think, over the years of my knowledge of CSA boxes, and actually I have a very funny connection. When I interned in college, one of my jobs was to monitor the CSA boxes at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, believe it or not. And I had to sit there and wait for people to come and pick up their boxes. And sometimes I'd get an extra one if one had uh, not been claimed. <laughs> but, but you had no I choice. I feeling you did I have a feeling you didn't complain when you got an extra one, right? I you sure to keep it. I- yes, unless there was rutabaga in there. No, I'm, I, I kid. Yeah. <laughs> no shade on the rutabaga. But, uh, you know, things have really changed. And I love that some of these boxes, not all, but some are able to customize things a little bit and get you exactly what you need. And uh, the convenience, I think, of finding them, too, has, has really increased in recent years as well. So slow farmers co-op a great opportunity and an and option for people if they're looking to get some fresh produce in this case delivered right to your door it doesn't get any easier than that um and, and melissa once again what's the website for people if they want to maybe explore or learn more about what you got to offer sure so it is slowfarmerscoop.com Excellent. All right. Well, happy CSA week to you, Melissa. Thank you again for being with us and educating us and informing us about things happening in the agriculture world. We sure appreciate it. And thank you, Haley, for your ongoing support to our local farmers and our local food community. um, And likewise, to all the listeners that support local farmers.
Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. We will be sure to post a link to our website, whby.com, if you're looking to get connected to a CSA box or to Slow Farmers Co-op. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, your first alert forecast, the very latest on this next round that is currently working its way through our area. Keith, Keith Gibson will join us in just a few moments. And after that, it's Miracle League of the Fox Valley joining us. And we'll have those conversations all ahead in our next half hour of Focus Fox Valley. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. Well, on days like today, and I'm talking weather-wise, a an afternoon at the ballpark sounds like something we might want to enjoy, right? And with the Miracle League of the Fox Valley, well, they make sure that those afternoons at the ballpark are available and therefore everyone to be able to participate in. Yeah, Miracle League gives kiddos with disabilities the opportunity to play baseball in safe and organized ways that bring a couple of extra things along the way, including teamwork, social communication, and plenty of other skill sets as well. We are really lucky to have this organization in our own backyard, and they are looking for volunteers as well as looking to get the word out about registration happening right now for kiddos in our area. So joining us now on our Settlers Bank phone lines to talk more about the work that Miracle League of the Fox Valley does is Kaylee Vanderloop, who is the program leader with Goodwill of North Central Wisconsin and the Miracle League of the Fox Valley. Kaylee, good afternoon. Thanks for being here with us today. Good afternoon to you. And I, you couldn't get that better that right now I really wish it was warm and we were out at the field enjoying some baseball. We, we could use some baseball and a hot dog and a, a cold beverage, right? It just sounds nice. <laughs> Absolutely. And like you mentioned, we are so excited to have our registration open for our 2022 season for both our players and volunteers. So it's an exciting time um, for those players and volunteers to to sign up and get ready to go for the season. Mm -hmm. Let's start by maybe, uh, I guess, setting the stage for our listeners who maybe have never been to a Miracle League game before. So, Kaylee, explain kind of the magic that happens at one of these games and and what it looks like for for people in the stands and for those players on the field, too. Sure, absolutely. So all of our games are played at the all-accessible field at Memorial Park in Appleton. And we actually have 16 teams, so we play four nights a week in the summer. Um, And really what a game looks like, it's it's a two-inning long game, so it lasts about an hour. And it's pretty simple. Every player gets to hit, every player gets to run the bases, and every player gets to score. And one of the most unique things about our program is that every player is assisted by a volunteer buddy. So that buddy is with them throughout the whole course of the game, there to help them, encourage them, cheer them on, and ultimately just to be a friend for that player. It really is a beautiful, a beautiful thing to watch, Kaylee. And uh, I would argue that there isn't just one MVP because everyone's an MVP when it comes to these these teams. Uh, Can you explain some of the magic that happens and and maybe what some of the the families say when they see their their kiddos, you know, playing, playing a sport like baseball? Sure. So the best part for our Miracle League families is that mom and dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, you know, they all can be in the stands watching their child enjoy the game of baseball. So because of our volunteers, um, they really give those families that opportunity. We could not have our program without our volunteers. And it's so fun to watch the players grow throughout our seven-week season. Um, We've had some players who, you know, are a little nervous at first. They start hitting off the tee. But by the end of the season, they're ready to try some pitches and Watching them successfully hit a pitch is so much fun. The fans are there cheering on every single player um, as each player comes into home plate. Loud cheers for everyone. So it's it's a really magical place. Um, and a fun thing, too, with our program is we have volunteer announcers. So making every child 
feel special when they get to come up to bat, when they get to run to home plate to score. Mm. And you mentioned to Kaylee, uh, all accessible field. Can you explain to our listeners what that looks like and really what the term all accessible means when it comes to a baseball field? Sure. So our field is fully rubberized. So it's accessible for any individual with any physical disability, whether they're using a wheelchair, walker, um, you name it, that field is safe for them to be out there to play. Perfect. Well, you mentioned 16 teams. That That's a lot of players. That's a lot of volunteers. Who might be a great candidate to volunteer with Miracle League? Sure. So we're currently seeking about 250 to 275 volunteers. And as I kind of mentioned before, our biggest need is a volunteer buddy. And the great thing about that volunteer opportunity is children as young as 13 um, can be a volunteer buddy. So it's really a great opportunity for, for families to come out and volunteer together. They can all be buddies together on the same team. Um, we're also looking for some pitchers, coaches, and umpires as well to help us um, with the flow of the game. So really anyone and everyone that enjoys helping others, who's energetic and really wants to be out there to encourage our players. Yeah, you'd be hard to find anyone without a giant smile on their face uh, when you're participating with Miracle League. Absolutely. So let's talk volunteers first. How do they sign up to be part of this? Is there any screening process they need to know about? What do volunteer potential volunteers need to know? Sure. So this year we've actually rolled out um, fully online registration, um, which is exciting. So volunteers can navigate to our page, which is goodwillncw.org slash MLFV. And there they can find all the information about volunteering and really more detailed information about the season. Um, On that page, they'll also see full descriptions of the different volunteer opportunities that we have. So they can see what is the best fit for them. And um, ultimately, those who are 18 and older, we do a background check as well to make sure that all of our volunteers um, are, you know, great to work with children and don't have any any issues. And what about uh, maybe families looking to sign up their kids for Miracle League? What do they need to know if they have a, a kiddo who would be a participant this year? How can they register? Sure. So for our players, we do welcome any child age 4 to 19 with any type of disability, whether that's intellectual and or physical. And we've also got online registration for players this year. So again, navigating to our page, goodwillncw.org slash MLFV, you can find all of the details there to sign up your kiddo. And for registration fee, it is $45 per player. And if you have multiple children, um, it's a reduced price of $40 per player. Perfect. And then finally, why would you encourage families maybe to sign their kiddos up or, or volunteers to give up their time to be part of this, of this game, this season, this summer? Sure. So thinking about the players, it's such a great place for that player to come and call their own, right? They get to be on a team. They get to have teammates yeah. and grow relationships and friendships. And also for the families, they get to, they get to meet other families. Um, that also have children with special needs. So it's a great opportunity to connect and network. And for the volunteers, it's such an awesome opportunity to give back and help those in need enjoy such a fun sport. So it's fun as head by all. And like you said, it's hard not to be out there um, seeing tons of smiles um, throughout the game. And finally, Kaylee, are, are, is the public really welcome to kind of come and check out those games? I know you mentioned that you've got four, four going on in, uh, uh, each four nights a week, excuse me, over at the All Accessible Field at Memorial Park. So is the public welcome to kind of stop by and join in on cheering on some of these players and, and their families too? Absolutely. Everyone is welcome. Um, the more fans, the better. It makes it even more of a special night for those players. And our season starts on June 6th this year and runs through the end of July. We don't have any games the week of July 4th. And we've got games at 5.30 and 7 p.m. each night, Monday through Thursday. 
All right. So check that out. Bring your families, cheer on these players, and maybe consider volunteering, too, if you love baseball and love to give back to the community as well. Kaylee Vanderloop, my guest here today, program leader with Miracle League of the Fox Valley and Goodwill, North Central Wisconsin. Thank you very much for being with us here today. It's been great to talk with you and spread the word on this wonderful program. Thanks, Kaylee. Thanks so much. All right. And we'll, of course, we'll link Miracle League's details over at our website. That is WHBY.com. All right. Let's take a short break. We'll come back and let you know what's coming up on a Wednesday edition of Focus Fox Valley. We are back a few minutes to go here on WHBY. Wanting to mention uh, quickly some traffic and road conditions for you brought to you by Hurling Clark Law Firm. The entire listening area here in Northeast Wisconsin classified currently by the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, that 511wi.gov website classifying all those roadways as ice covered right now in the entire listening area here. So please take caution if you're driving out there and we will keep you updated throughout the afternoon right here on WHBY with Road Reports brought to you by Hurling Clark Law Firm. All right. Well, we haven't had a chance to listen to it yet because we have clearly been on the air, Zach. But one of the first things I'm going to do when I get back to my desk today is plug in that Pat McAfee interview with Aaron Rodgers. What do you think? Well, it is National Margarita Day, so I wasn't sure that was part of it. But, oh, oh yeah. maybe listening to it with a margarita would make it a little better. I don't well, know. Well, the thing with the whole <laughs> Pat McAfee show now, the fact that Aaron Rodgers said, well, no decisions will be made today. Right. Well, that kind of made everyone feel, eh, this continues on for another week or so. Yeah. So, I mean, you could try to listen to find out little details. Maybe he hinted one way or another, but... I've been, it's what we expected. I've been following some some report, some sports reporters who are, I guess, kind of live tweeting his his comments on the show here today, uh, and he's he's speaking to the Instagram post that he put up last night, which was focused on gratitude, and he called out several people in his life who he has gratitude for, including his his former fiance or his fiance. No clarity on if they are not together well, or that's another if they thing are with together. reporters live tweeting the show they're saying that he keeps talking about my partner so they assume it's woodley so yeah i would think that they're still together which you know just is the engagement must have, might have been off and we never got confirmation from shailene or aaron on if they had broken off their engagement it was just you know a source close to the couple which you can't believe anything i suppose until it comes from from those involved. So and if you don't know who Shailene Whitley is, well, you're just like most other Packer fans. So <laughs> don't feel <laughs> left out. But he's talking about some interesting things, including going on a cleanse. This is all according to reporters in the sports world who are, are tweeting his, his interview. Uh, he, he's talking about a cleanse. He speaks to some conversations he's had with Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, and Matt LaFleur. Again, he he spoke about the Instagram post that he put up last night and what that gratitude meant, why he put a picture up uh, in particular of Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. So I'm going to listen to this interview myself, just plain curiosity to see what he has to say. And again, we will just keep on waiting to see uh, what Rodgers will decide in in. In the days to come, in the weeks to come, who knows? But we will sit and wait. So, Yeah, we have to look forward to football because no baseball to talk about. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't. But the Miracle League is happening, and that's baseball that we can talk about. But, yes, uh, another conversation for another day on, on Brewers baseball or baseball Hey, in they had four mm. meetings since the last time we've been on the air together, and nothing happened. All righty. Okay, here's what's coming up on your Wednesday edition of, of Focus Fox Valley. Well, welcome some voices from New North as they have launched, well, I guess a, a new campaign, a, a marketing campaign in the digital sense, where they are talking with people who moved to our area. And the campaign is sort of encouraging and sharing their reasons why they moved here to hopefully attract more individuals to move to 
this region and work here and live here and and play here. So we'll talk with New North tomorrow about what kind of went into that marketing campaign and and are they seeing any results? We'll find out tomorrow when we talk with them. Also ahead on your Wednesday, uh, the Fox Cities Reads, uh, Fox Cities Book Festival, they will be announcing the Fox Cities Reads 2022 selections tonight. So if you are an avid reader, we'll let you know what those books are. And I say books because there are two this year, one for adults, one for teens. So we'll talk with some folks involved with Fox Cities Reads about the selection, why these books were selected, and what we can hopefully learn from uh, these books as we pick them up and start reading for Fox Cities Reads. And then we will wrap up our show tomorrow with uh, Volunteer Fox Cities. And we are going to look at the Cycling Without Age program. Uh, And I'm excited to learn more as we hear from one of the volunteers who volunteers and pedals uh, these these tricycles, these uh, trishaws. So we'll talk more uh, with Volunteer Fox Cities and learn more about Cycling Without Age on your Wednesday edition of Focus Fox Valley. And that will do it for me here today. A great show, great conversations. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, stay safe out there drive safe and have yourself a lovely day. When I wake up in the morning love and the sunlight hurts my eyes. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.